Hey, everyone. I'm a, I'm a little bit like leader. Okay. Um, thanks, Mariah. Uh, welcome to Lent, everyone. Uh, my name is Josh Williams, as Mariah said. And I'm excited for this season. I'm also very excited for you to come down. If you haven't got your journal, to come. We will cheer you. We will applaud you. We will stay six feet away. And we may try to pray for you that way. Because if you're here, why not get prayer? Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, but I'm excited for the season of Lent. I can't believe that it's been almost exactly a year since our last Lent together in 2020. And this past year has been a very physical one for us. Almost a year ago, we were invited to self-monitor on a daily basis. Take your temperature to check for a fever. Remain on the alert for a cough. Pay attention to any difficult breathing. We committed to old practices, I hope, soap and water, right? Um, we committed to those singing happy birthday twice, or maybe it was three times, I forget. Um, we developed new practices and almost constant like application of hand sanitizer like over and over and over again. We learned to wear masks, to stand or sit roughly six feet apart, uh, to do as much as we can outdoors, even if it meant like sunburn a few months ago, or if it means what feels like frostbite now. And those were just our public health steps. This isn't about the pain we noticed in our neck, in our back, in our shoulder, as we worked in every room where we live, in every chair, in every position, trying to get comfortable during our work days. Um, others of us were chasing young children in every room where we live, in every chair, trying to get them to do online learning in any position possible. We walked, we hiked, we did scavenger hunts, I think, uh, at the grocery store, trying to follow the arrows and then trying not to judge other people who were definitely not following the arrows. And we were tired. Even when we stayed home all day, we were tired. Even when we got nothing done, we were tired. Or when too much had to be done for our work or our lives, we were, yes, tired. We've been exhausted. Then sometimes we were unable to sleep. We had what people call COVID dreams, vividly wondering when we wake up, will things be different? And for around 300 plus days, the answer was not really. And now our way out of this physically draining season is another bodily phenomenon, a shot in the arm that will build antibodies and immunity in us, in our city, in our nation, in our world, hopefully. All because of this virus that infects and invades our physical bodies. This has been a year, a physical year, a bodily year. And remember, it all started around these parts in New Haven for us around March, during our season of Lent, a season that is meant to remind us of our bodies and our spirits through disciplines of limitation, of fasting, of withholding, all to get closer to a Savior who broke his body for us. Perhaps these limitations and sacrifices of COVID have been just a bit too real for us. This is still my favorite COVID meme from early in the pandemic. You know, me, hey, God, I'm just giving up chocolate for, late, for Lent. God, okay. But now you have to give up restaurants. Wait, what? Now sports are gone. Huh? And no church either. <gasps> like, that's what it could seem like, that more and more was being taken away. This has been a prolonged season of limits, and we feel the pain, we feel the pinch, we even feel the very real suffering at times. So are we still self-monitoring like we were early on? Are we a bit too exhausted for those daily check-ins? I'm still alive. Thank God. Let me go back to work. Oh, I am at work because I'm at home. Okay, let me just move into a different room so I feel like I'm more at work. Or maybe let's gear up again to go outside to become vulnerable to the many real risks we have. Here goes another day, and another one, and another one. And all of a sudden, we're here again. We're, we're here at Lent. Welcome to Lent. Did I say that already? That's where we're back to, right? Lent, this time of limitation and sacrifice, all while we're amidst a pandemic. So, how are we doing, fam? How are our bodies? How are our souls? Early on in the pandemic, uh, Katie Smith and ECV shared this term, Blur's Day, referring to how hard it is to keep track of the days during these strange times. And I wonder uh, if over these last, you know, 340 or so days, our spirit and our life with God has felt like we've had a case of the Blur's Days. We don't quite know what we're feeling in our heart, 
in our soul, in our spirit, in our mind. Or we know and feel that a little bit too well. Feel the turmoil, the frustration, the uncertainty, the fear, the tiredness, or just numbness, not feeling much at all. And yet there's an invitation for us, one of spirit and body. No matter how we've met God in this time or not since last Lent, this season gives us a way to enter mind, body, and soul. This is all because Jesus provides an entry point at all levels, spirit and body. Through his very life, he gives us a call to remember his sacrifice, to receive his sacrifice, and to be restored by his sacrifice. This is a call of drawing near. This is our new series, drawing near the blood that opens up a new and living way. Before we go further, let's pray together for us to experience that new and living way even right now. God, I pray that you would be with us, that you would be here with us, God, that you would show us this new and living way and that when we see it, we would say yes to it, take hold of it, follow you, help us do that. In Jesus' name, amen. This Lent, we are drawing near, and we're looking at a letter to the Hebrews to guide our time, an epistle that's in the New Testament. Hebrews is a letter written to a Jewish community that would have had many bodily memories, not necessarily for their own lives, but in the story of their people. Moses' own life, going to receive the law from an unseen God, this human going up on top of a mountain and seeing God, feeling God, sensing God, and getting the law from him. Or the people traveling the land, the land that was promised, and then these people of promise entered it. People who had a history with bodies that were enslaved, lost to the wilderness. And of course, a sacrificial system that involved the bodies of animals and a physical journey to the temple. Even though Hebrews appears in our Bibles as a letter, it's more like an ancient sermon that highlights these spiritual artifacts of law, of land, and of animal sacrifice. And it reveals how Jesus provided word, promise, and a once-and-for-all sacrifice that are better than anything else that's come before. That's the text of Hebrews. If you read it, even tonight, go through chapters 1 through 9, that's what you'll find there. We're actually picking up at the crescendo of the text, an exhortation to a whole new way of living, given the way Jesus' bodily sacrifice opens up a new spiritual reality, not just for him or even his followers at the time, but for anyone, including us, who would receive Jesus' sacrifice. So in our time together, we're actually going to pick up at that crescendo during Lent, and then we'll cover parts of Hebrews 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12. Sometimes our scripture will just be a few verses, like today. We're starting at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. So if you want to find a Bible, uh, if you have your phone and have an app, please join me as I read together from Hebrews. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So we're going to break down verses 19 and 20 as we begin. And to get any of this, we have to understand this audience would have been very familiar with temple sacrifice, the people that were reading or hearing Hebrews. And they would also be very familiar with the preciousness of blood. So last time I shared a Bible Project video, it seems like you all liked it a lot. So we're going to get some help from them again. We're actually going to pick up right in the middle of a video and actually drop out before it ends. You guys know how to use YouTube. You can find this later on if you like it. But we'll start it right now. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice. But there's a that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. 
But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual... Blood in Semitic cultures symbolizes life and vitality. When life was harmed through the work of sin and death, an an animal sacrifice was required. Its blood absolved someone of their sins. But sins don't simply have personal consequences. They also create relational and societal wounds. Think about someone telling a lie to another person. It doesn't just harm that individual. It makes that whole society question, are we being truthful? Like, what is this truth and falsehood thing? Are people telling me what's real? So priests take the individual sacrifices, but they also sprinkle blood throughout the temple. They do this as a way to restore the whole community, to reverse the effects of sin, a blood sacrifice that makes right relationship individually and communally. Blood meant something to this community. In our context, blood might make us think about medical emergencies or uh, violence or something maybe crazy like vampires or zombies. For us, when we hear Jesus' words in the Gospels about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, the story that we see in the story of Jesus' life, we might think, man, his followers left him because he was so gross. That's just like kind of weird. Like, Jesus, you're not a vampire, right? You're not a zombie. This is strange. It's easy to think that. But what if it's less that Jesus' contemporaries were grossed out and more that they thought Jesus was ruining the real meaning and the value of blood, which was seen as sacred? We sacrifice the blood of animals to make ourselves right with God. Now this man is saying we can drink his blood? How offensive. But Jesus knew something about himself that his critics didn't, that he would obey to the end, even if it cost him his life. He would expose the scandal of a broken human system, even if it was the temple system, with all its hopes and aspirations to help humanity. Jesus knew his body would be broken, and that his blood would be shed, that his blood, instead of starting a holy war, would call for peace, for wholeness over everyone and everywhere, peace for our internal turmoil and our very real external fights and violence. God used Jesus' sacrifice as a new foundation for how all of us can connect with God where before there were systems and rituals promoted as the key ways to draw near. Now we connect through Jesus. We connect with God through Jesus and his perfect righteousness. You know, even today, maybe we're apart from a temple system, some of us, but we have our own systems and rituals of righteousness or wokeness or just being right, being justified with people that we're kind of bucking with we might feel like there's no real way to connect with God if we're not right. Maybe God just somehow becomes too distant or or too difficult. There's too much going on. We just feel too broken, either individually or together. But Jesus' sacrifice is for now, and it is complete. There's nothing blocking us from connecting with God. Let's look at this again, just break it down a little bit more. Now we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We have a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Do you see what's happening here? There's access. There's access to the most holy place, access to the new and living way. And it is by Jesus' blood. It's through the curtain that is his body. The most holy place covered by a veil was a place called the Holy of Holies in the temple, where the high priest would go just once a year. We see the author of Hebrews connect Jesus' physical body with his spiritual reality of intimacy with God. And not just Jesus' physical body, 
his broken body, split like the curtain at the temple. In the Gospel of Matthew, an account of Jesus' life, we see this reference where Jesus is on the cross, laid bare for us and by us. And it says the curtain tore into two. This curtain in the most holy of holy places is torn, split. His blood shed all for us to enter the most holy place, all for this new and living way. So what does this new and living way look like? You know, we can say it, but what does it actually look like? What does it do? Verse 22 gives us a hint for what Jesus' bodily sacrifice does for our spirits and our bodies. Let's look at it together. Let us draw near to, a, to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and have our bodies washed with pure water. We can approach God with a full assurance, trusting Jesus' blood has done enough. The way of our nonviolent Savior means his blood is not the beginning of a vengeance story, but of a, a restorative one, where our transformation is the main focus. Our transformation through Jesus' sacrifice is the main act of this part of the story of God. It's absolutely crazy, but it's true. Even though humanity killed Jesus, Jesus' own blood sprinkles our hearts, providing the cleansing of guilty consciences and washing our bodies with purity. Our transformation through Jesus' blood is the main act of this part of the story of God. This is the act we are invited into right now, right here. So are you experiencing it? Are you experiencing this new and living way, even with an exhausting last year? It actually doesn't matter how much you've connected with God or not during this pandemic. It doesn't matter how much you've been frustrated with people or sinned against them or had them sin against you. It doesn't matter how much you haven't been your best self. What matters is there's an active invitation, an active invitation right now from God, an active invitation right now from Jesus through his sacrifice in the power of the Spirit. It's an active invitation for you, not because of your works, but because of Jesus' work to shed his own blood. Jesus' blood opens up a new and living way an invitation to newness that cleanses our spirit and invites us to draw near to God. In the midst of a pandemic that is pressing our bodies in so many ways, in the midst of a dark and wintry season that has had its limitations and inconveniences, both normal ones, because New Haven winter is crazy, y'all, but also new ones, in the midst of our ordinary lives with our own hurts and pains, in a world that is buckling at the weight of its own selfishness, groaning for a new world that can seem so far off, in the midst of all of that, there is a new way. And it's not just dependent on our effort or performance. And it's actually not even just for us. But it's for us and others. Us and the world around us. Jesus' blood has opened up that new and living way. This is the only thing, truly, that sustained me during this pandemic. This scandalous grace. This possibility of a new and living way amidst all the sadness and darkness and numbness all around. I've only been able to get through this season by the possibilities that are in Jesus' blood. His blood that invites me deeper into his kindness and mercy instead of his wrath and his judgment. This blood that has spoken a better word than my anxiety or fear or rational judgment at myself or others. It started with remembering his sacrifice, then slowing down to receive it, then hoping for Jesus' blood to do the work of restoration. That's what I've needed in this past season. When I was on my bedroom floor after hearing the news of four friends back to back to back, stories that I didn't think were going to happen to me in this pandemic, and hearing the loss that these people had experienced, and I was powerless to do anything. Lying down, I just asked for Tina to pray for me, hoping it would do something. When I was by a dock, grieving my grandfather's life alone, and my family was together, grieving in a funeral. And I asked God to meet me right there by myself. When my Saturday Sabbaths became long family adventures and our hikes grew a little bit frustrating as a baby cried, as a toddler whined, as my wife and I bickered, and I asked God to show us, why are we doing this in the first place? How is this a Sabbath again? God met me with relief. God met me with tears. God met me with a laugh and a shrug and a slice of contentment, even in the mess. 
drawing near to God and having just a mustard seed of faith that it would make a difference. All because Jesus shed blood for it to do so. Can I depend on Jesus' sacrifice enough to simply take a risk, to say a prayer, to trust in his promise? Sometimes to physically take steps to draw near to the activity of God wherever it is in my life, wherever it is that day, even that second. So have you sensed an invitation from God in this past season? Whether you've taken it or not, have you sensed one? And have we sensed an invitation from God as a community to draw near? And are we open that as we draw near to God, God invites us to draw near to others? Because the, tra- the transformation that's now God's main work is not just an individual work. That would be, like, really wrong. It's not just an individual work in you or even in our church, but it's a work throughout the entire world, through all people, everywhere. Remember, the priests didn't just receive individual sacrifice and say, we're done, but they sprinkled the blood throughout the temple for a corporate cleansing. Jesus' work compels us to draw near to one another, too. So are you open to the reality that your invitation to draw near isn't just for you, And it's not just for us or ECV, but it's for our whole world. And are you open to the likelihood that your invitation to draw near to Jesus, given his sacrificial life, contains an invitation for you somewhere, some way, to also sacrifice? Maybe that sacrifice includes you showing up here today on a live stream, wondering, God, what are you going to (laughs) do? Why am I trying to do this with kids? Why am I trying to do this week after week? Maybe that sacrifice is being in community even when community hasn't always been good to you. Maybe that sacrifice is committing to a Lenten season again when what God allowed in the last one has hurt us so badly. But the blood of Jesus sprinkles life over us, all of us. It gives us a sincere heart with full assurance of faith, not certainty, but a confidence that comes from what Jesus has already done. His blood cleanses us from guilt and shame, and it frees us to take risks without feeling, ah, man, why did I do that again? Why did I just take a risk and have it kind of beat me up again? Jesus' blood provides a different way than that, a cleansing for our bodies, our community, our city, and beyond. I want us to become open to this new and living way in this season, and it's available right now. We're actually going to take some time right now, right here in this service, to do a few spiritual practices together to open ourselves up to it. Remember where it says draw near? That's us drawing near. It's us like kind of leaning in to this reality. It's us leaning in to this promise of God. But we have to lean in. We have to get a little bit closer. Then we can recognize what's always been true. That us experiencing God's love is something that Jesus would die for. Accepting that changes us. So are you willing to lean in a little bit? even today, even through a few exercises. I hope so. So we're going to do a few practices together as kids and as adults, as a church, beginning this journey of Lent. Even though these practices are simple, even though in the scheme of things they're pretty short, I think they'll be helpful in getting us oriented to this Lenten season of spirit and body. So we're going to do that now. If you have a journal, a pen, pencil, piece of paper, you can use your Lenten journal if you want. Get it out now, please. We're going to do an exercise called a spiritual locator exercise. And these exercises will have kind of some different components, right? This one is writing. uh, And so it's a way of just being placed. Sometimes when we think about our lives, we think about what we need to do, what we haven't done, what we need to do tomorrow. And our life is just about us kind of moving and being busy or being guilty a little bit or feeling that way that we haven't done something. This is not what that is. It's just placing ourselves where we are, without what we need to do, without what we've done, but just right here where we're being found by one another and God. And if you feel maybe a little silly on the other end of the screen doing something, just remember it. All over New Haven, all over different parts of Connecticut, maybe even other places, we're all doing this together. And so with your journal out, pen out, I want to ask us some questions. I'm going to give us about 45 seconds a minute for each one. These aren't meant to be exhaustive and for you to share all your thoughts, but for you just to share a snapshot of what the question brings up. As I do that, I believe each time they'll be uh, on the screen the same question. So I think you're ready, right? Okay. So first one. 
What are the givens, the facts of my life right now? So what's just true about your life? Where do you live? Who are you? How are you showing up in the world just as a person? Things that don't really change, but they're just true about you, the details of your life. Take about 45 seconds to answer that. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to get my journal out. Take about 15, 20 more seconds. Second question. Remember, you can always come back to these if you need more time. Uh, but it's just a snapshot. Second question, what have I been thinking a lot about? As you reflect and think about, yeah, what's been on your mind? What have you been thinking a lot about? Feel free to write these down. If you weren't able to get a pen or paper, feel free to just think the answer. If it's helpful to share it out loud, you can. But um, we often write this. So what have I been thinking a lot about? Take about 15 more seconds. Okay, third question. What are the movements of my heart? What are my prevalent emotions? Which emotions are you feeling the most right now or these days? Take about 15 more seconds for that one. Fourth question. 
What is the condition of my body right now? What are you feeling in your body, even physically? about 15 more seconds for this. Remember, you can always come back just a snapshot. Fifth question. It's a little bigger. Again, just a snapshot, but uh, I'll give you a little bit more time for this. What question would I like to ask God? No biggie. Picture Jesus standing before you and asking this question. What question would I like to ask God and have answered? Take about 20 more seconds before we get to our last question. Sixth question, what are my longings and desires? You could think about it as, I wish I had blank. What are my longings and desires? Take about 15 more seconds. So now take some time to look at what you've written down. Just read it. Maybe you're just scanning it. But look at what you've written down and see what feels highlighted to you. Maybe it's a word that you wrote down. Maybe it's a theme you see as you look through all six responses. But read it by yourself and then see what's highlighted to you. Take a few seconds to do that.
take about 10 more seconds just scanning, looking, seeing what's highlighted to you. So based on what's highlighted, consider these questions. You don't have to write them down, you don't have to answer them uh, like you did the other ones, but just consider what I'm about to ask you. So given what's been highlighted to you, how would you like to draw near to God? God's love, God's grace, God's power, God's sacrifice. How would you like to draw near to God this Lent? And how might God be using this exercise to move you to a response of drawing near. So remember, this one's all about being placed, just placing yourself as a human being, spiritual, body, all of that, with what's kind of going on. Not what you need to do, not what you ought to do, not what you haven't done, but just you. So I'm hoping that gave you a sense of like being present. Uh, this next one is one that involves your physical body, so I'm just going to give us a kind of a pause to reset from our last one and into this one. But I want you to stand up. So wherever you are, stand up. If you're a kid, this is a great time to kind of come back into the room. If you're in the room already, I heard Zoe's locked in right now. Hey, Zoe, you're awesome. Uh, but everyone, stand up. And if you're a kid, keep your you know parent, adult in the room honest. Be like, hey, Pastor Josh should stand up. So stand up. The first activity was kind of a mind, writing. This one's going to be a, a little bit different. So I want you to, with the hands God has given you and the head God has given you, put your hands on your head. This is just a way of symbolizing that we have a mind and we have an ability to remember things. And I want you right now to remember the last time you felt God draw near to you. This is about us drawing near to God, but the cool thing is God draws near to us. If you're like, man, I don't know if I can take that first step. The cool thing is God has done this work already. So with your hand on your head, again, kids, keep people in the room honest. Think about what's the last time God has drawn near to you. Maybe it's through a piece of scripture. Maybe it's through a walk, through someone, something said or did. How have you seen God draw near to you? Let's take a few seconds for that. Now I want you to move your hands, the same ones that were just on your head, and move them to your heart as a symbol of where you feel, of your emotions. And remember, you just kind of wrote down your dominant emotion. I want you to feel whatever your dominant emotion is right now. It could have changed. We're weird like that. We're amazing like that. So feel what that is. If that's scary for you, remember, even though you might not be able to see it, we're all doing this together. So you're with your community. You're with God. And slowly as you're ready, I want you to release that feeling, whether it's a good feeling, a happy feeling, a low feeling, a sad feeling. Release it to God by just extending your hands out. So slowly just extend your hands out like this. And now I'm going to ask you to bring your hands into a self-hug. We haven't had a lot of people hug us. Sometimes you need, to, you need to hug yourself. So bring it into a self-hug. And now think about the bodily needs you have. Maybe actually what's come up in that last exercise, the things that you notice in your body, pains or aches. Bring those bodily needs up to God. And in a prayer, you can do it silently, you can do it out loud, offer it to God. Remember, as you do this, that God cares for your physical body. God doesn't just care about your spirit or your soul or your heart. Or your heart. But God cares for your body. And I pray even in this moment you would feel and experience healing in your body, wholeness in your physical body, in Jesus' name.
just a few minutes longer with that self-hug. I'm just letting it linger for you. It's a little awkward. That's okay. And lastly, I want you to open your hands up once more as if you're about to embrace someone with a hug. Open your hands up once more because God draws near to us. We're invited to draw near to God. But part of this journey is being open to drawing near to others. And that's costly. It's a costly act to love someone else, to invest in another person. So with your hands outstretched, start to feel kind of the weight. Josh, this kind of felt okay the first second, but now I'm kind of feeling it. It's a little maybe harder to keep your hands up. Keep feeling that. Open yourself up to drawing near to others. Even ask God for help. Help me, God. Love this other person. Help me be open to loving other people. Maybe you've built a habit or even like, hey, I've been isolated for a while. It hasn't been that bad. I'm not sure. I don't know when we're going to get out of this thing, but that might be a habit I pick up. Sorry. Jesus says that when you draw near to him, you also draw near to others. So as you feel your hand maybe get a little heavier, just ask God for help. As you just remain open right now, and maybe even start to commit to drawing near to others. And put your arms down. It's a different kind of self-monitoring, right? Body and spirit. Last exercise before we move to invitations. You can stay standing if you want. You can sit down. Whatever feels best to you right now in your body and your spirit. This is going to be an exercise of silence. And for some of you, you just laughed because you know the noise going around in your room right now. That's okay. Maybe for you it's going to be an exercise of stillness. But we're going to just take some time. I'm not going to even specify how much, but no, I, I love you. I'm trying to be a pastor. That means a shepherd, so it won't be too long, um, I think. So we're just going to take time to be silent together. Because we've been either writing or we've been in a body posture that we've decided or you've been led into. You've had some thoughts there. But silence is a time where we get to still all of that. And God's presence gets to be with us in a way that sometimes feels electric. And sometimes it can feel maybe frustrating to try to get there and to be like, man, I just heard my own thoughts. Either way is an opportunity for us to be silent so that God speaks, so we can hear from God. We don't hear God in an audible way usually, but we hear him in the loudness of our hearts and the quietness of our hearts. And so we're being silent, not even to hear God's speech, but just to be with God to remember that he loves us and that we have an opportunity to love him even as we wait for him to move in this time of silence. So Holy Spirit, in the short time of silence, would you come and meet us? Meet us in how you're with us. Maybe meet us in words shared with us, but meet us in communion with you. Come, Lord, as we're quiet together.
of these are our practices. All these are ways of drawing near imperfect exercises that we can just offer to God. Just attempts. We're just trying. We're just like leaning in to what can feel like hopefully a, a thin place, a place where we can kind of poke and see that somehow we moved our bodies to be closer and somehow something happened spiritually to us and God's body moved and something spiritual happened and we connected and there was communion. These aren't special in and of themselves. They're just invitations for us. I have a few more invitations for us today as we close and then move to communion. We can't draw near without a commitment. That's what that phrase means. You know, other parts of the scripture say approach, approach, draw near, move to be closer. Again, we don't do that as our first step. God's already moved towards us. But there's ways to commit during this season. And Mariah told you them already. It's being a part of this live stream, even as hopefully we move closer and closer to drawing near and have an in-person service, definitely by Easter and maybe a little bit earlier to use our Lenten journals, this simple way of just keeping pace with the, the days of Lent and bringing our lives and our bodies and our spirits to them, you'll see that uh, as we move into Lent, there's commitments you can make, a prayer challenge to do together. Um, that's been the work from Ash Wednesday till now, is just to even think about what do we want out of Lent? So if you haven't got your journal yet, remember you're not missing anything. Um, and you can pick up whenever, to be honest. But tomorrow, we'll start week one with Monday. So commit to this journal. We also have a Lenten group. Uh, whether you've been someone that's been really missing our group experiences at ECV, are sometimes maybe glad for different reasons. Whew, I'm just in my room by myself. I'm here. I'm watching. That's, that's what I can handle right now. Either one, we want to invite you to commit to a Lenten group. It's a seven-week group. Some meet indoors. Some meet, sorry, outdoors, in person. Uh, uh, some meet on Zoom uh, in the morning, afternoon, evening. Uh, please check out the different uh, times you can commit to that. I also want you to consider memorizing Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. If it helps, starts, start with key phrases. It's helpful to have something inside of us. Um, I, I don't want to give anyone away, but I you know, usually give my sermons to a certain someone and during an early draft, maybe, not, not of course this version, but an early draft, was like, hey, what, what does this mean for a working mom of two that might be you know, frustrated with different things? And they say, what, is, what does this mean for me? Good question to whoever asked that. Um, but when we have something inside of us, when we have the scripture inside of us, this word inside of us, we just give it back to God. You said, therefore, we can have confidence. So God, I'm just having some confidence in you with the full assurance of faith. That there's a new and living way, I need you to show me, Jesus. That there's a way that is opened up for me. Sometimes we don't have to memorize the whole thing, even though hopefully we can get there, but just have a key phrase that you can pray back to God, even in times of frustration. And then I just want to challenge you to make an embodied commitment for whatever you do during Lent, for something to be physical. And that could be, honestly, as simple as reading the journal, but maybe choose a place in your house or apartment to read it. Maybe it's going to be going on a walk. That's uh, your Lenten group. Maybe it's coming down here in just 10, 15 minutes to receive prayer. But choose something that involves your body because it reminds us of the bodily sacrifice that Jesus made. This bodily sacrifice is something that Jesus invited his followers into first as a, a sacrament, first as a meal. This is the, the work of communion. And in communion, we celebrate, we remember Jesus' body that was broken for us. We take bread, we break it, and then we put it in our mouths, we eat it and consume it. Because this body was broken, even though it was at our hands, by our hands, it was broken for us. And then we take the juice and we drink it, the blood of Jesus shed for us. And it becomes healing for us. It changes us, it transforms us. Just this simple act, this simple sacrament, this simple meal that we can have together reminds us of this blood that opens a new and living way. And we need that right now. We need that this season. We need that to enter in. This has been a hard year. This has maybe been a hard week for you. It's been something that 
we've had a tough time with. And yet Jesus' invitation is real. His invitation is possible. And I want you, as you take your communion, to take that with a little bit of faith, just a a mustard seed of hope, that Jesus can change something. It's not dependent on you. It's not dependent on your works. You did enough just by showing up. You did enough just by drawing near a little bit. And now you get to receive. If you're a follower of Jesus, please take in the elements. If you want to become one, I invite you to begin your journey of drawing near right now. If you're someone that hasn't made a decision to follow Jesus, choose this moment to draw near. Because we draw near not just to have a good connection one time, but to actually be followers our whole lives. If that's you and your decision you're making, invite you. Draw near to Jesus by taking this communion with us, by joining the family of God. We're going to continue with worship, and worship is a way for us to say that God is good, that this invitation is real because God is good, that we can struggle with this invitation because God is good, because we can actually say yes to this invitation right now because God is good. We take space, we make room to experience God in his presence. Let's pray. God, thank you for your work. Thank you for communion. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in this room, for what you plan for in this season. It's more than we could ask or imagine. All you're asking for us is just to to draw near, to lean in just a little bit, because you'll do much more than lean in. You're committed to us, God. So would we see the fruits of that in this season? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.